Welcome to the Global Venturing Review Podcast. My name's James Mawson, founder and editor-in-chief of our Global Corporate Venturing, Global University Venturing and Global Impact Venturing sites. And it gives me great pleasure to be back once more this week. Thierry Hillis is unable to join us. He's been fairly busy on the news. So I'll start with a, a fascinating feature for you, courtesy of Tony Askew, co-founder and partner of REV Venture Partners, uh, part of the uh, large data and technology company RVLX's Corporate Venturing Unit. We spoke with Global Corporate Venturing about how the media industry has evolved since the Corporate Venturing Unit was launched in 2000. Insights provided by Askew included how its co-investments with Incutel, the venture unit for the CIA and other US intelligence agencies, have helped the unit. While he also explained the group's aim was to stay three to seven years ahead of everyone else. While being ahead of others is an advantage, this only works if the unit and corporation can last this intervening period to them to help reap the benefits. If the parent has to go into reverse and seek sources of capital from its operations, then the longer-term player of CVC can become vulnerable to an asset sale. Many corporate venture units, however, have been increasing assets under management over the past decade, as corporations allocate more capital to the area, and more deals are generally struck than exited in any given year. This can create a challenge in that it is of a size that warrants a potential sale if the parent needs cash, but too large to meaningfully be acquired in the secondary market. General Electric, for example, has this year considered spinning out its corporate venturing operation GE Ventures to sell its portfolio consisting of stakes in more than 100 companies. Chip and data company Intel had reviewed its portfolio a few years earlier after Wendell Brooks took over, decided the assets were best kept and sold on a deal-by-deal basis. With hundreds of millions of dollars invested across a range of sectors that had been relevant for GE before the healthcare to industrials conglomerate started to be broken up, it is a prize asset of portfolio companies. But buyers of secondaries fall into two types of camps. Those wanting to back an established team with good track record, such as Harbourvest's commitment to Telstra Ventures in Australia last year, or those looking to buy assets at a discount to present value. In the fire sales after the dot-com crash after 2001, these discounts could be steep and sometimes funded with vendor loan notes just to remove the liability from the balance sheet. GE Ventures' team has already started to break up with a range of talented investors starting to move to other firms. That limits the first option, but finding a deal that meets buyer and seller's views on valuations is tricky. GE Ventures, while finding new deals hard, is still sensibly doing follow-on investments, such as telegenetics firm Genome Medical's $23 million Series B round this month, to retain stakes and support entrepreneurs whose business had nothing to do with the financial issues in the power unit of a large corporation. Still, if GE, as a storied corporation around for more than 125 years, can be caught out in buoyant economic conditions, then if or when a downturn does strike, or other units are caught by disruption being able to work through a generalised exit strategy will become important. Innovation in innovation, there are often post-mortem parties for ideas that were tried and failed as a way of destigmatizing failure. These are good, but pre-mortem analysis of factors that can cause failure are even better. The challenge is, even if the CVC units recognise issues, such as balance sheet vesting without committed capital, Management and large firms can be overconfident in their own prowess and avoid putting in place sensible safety measures that can limit damage to their CBC teams, portfolio companies and their own balance sheets if they cannot exit privately held and liquid assets when they want. Dogmatism is often the first signal of a lack of flexibility. GE Ventures' current travails are the warning sign as this age of turbulence begins that the industry generally 
needs to do more to be ready for a generalised downturn. Interesting thoughts and feedback about what more the corporate entry and industry can be doing in order to prepare itself for this age of turbulence. Interesting thoughts, feedback, issues, things that be avoided. And generally, obviously, there's a number of groups with 10, 20, even 30 year track records, how they've dealt with previous downturns or similar issues across different segments. So please let me know at jmawson at morsonia.com. We picked up some of this age of turbulence in our last symposium in May in London and there were a number of great insights and thoughts from that so thank you to you all for attending and sharing on that one and as we prepare for our next GCBI summit in California in Monterey in January I think this topic will continue to rumble on so be very keen for thoughts and suggestions how we can prepare for that agenda. More generally over the past week on funds there's still been a number of new units launched so the industry in general is still continuing to grow and thrive but Capgemini Ventures has launched a $102 million fund. Capgemini's corporate venture unit has partnered French VC firm ISAI to set up a $102 million fund dubbed ISAI Cap Venture to target early stage business-to-business software startups. Meanwhile, Willis Towers Watson Insurance Group, or WTW, has created a corporate venture and subsidiary WTW Strategic Ventures and a growth board to make strategic investments in startups. On LP commitments, Third Rock has counted $770 million for its fifth fund. The vehicle will form and invest in more promising biotech ventures to follow the likes of multiple spin-outs from Johns Hopkins Thrive Earlier Detection. Invengo has invigorated a $145 million Internet of Things fund. Invengo has joined Shenzhen HTI Venture Capital to launch a fund aligned with its IoT business that is initially aiming to raise about $43 million on its way to the 145 million targeted close. Crane, meanwhile, has closed its first fund at $90 million. Venture capital firm's inaugural early stage fund, Crane One, has reached its 90 million hard cap with contributions from LPs, or limited partners, including Mass Mutual Ventures, with which has established a strategic alliance. And Wavemaker has drifted to a 60 million close for its third fund. Keppel is among the limited partners for the VC firm's Southeast Asia focused third fund, which has achieved a 60 million first close on the way to 100 million hard cap. And while obviously number of new units, we are seeing increasing numbers of exits, particularly through the more buoyant IPO and M&A markets. Salesforce has processed a 15.7 billion acquisition of Tableau. The Stanford spin-out Tableau software has agreed to the all-stock acquisition by Salesforce six years after completing a $254 million IPO on the New York Stock Exchange. And CrowdStrike has gone public this week after pricing a $612 million IPO and represents a huge jump up from less than two weeks ago when it was slated to float an offering that would have raised $378 million at its midpoint. And in fact, in the aftermarket, CrowdStrike is still continuing to massively outperform. The endpoint security software provider had significantly raised that price, but still ended up pricing the offering above that range. It received more than $480 million in VC funding from investors, including Capital G, which was uh, Google Capital as it was, and uh, part of the Alphabet Corporate Venturing Group, Telstra, who mentioned before, and Rackspace. Merck and Co. has agreed to acquire Tylos Therapeutics, which is developing antibodies to treat cancer, fibrosis, and autoimmune diseases in a deal that could potentially reach $773 million once milestone payments are factored in. Deal marks a exit for corporate venturing units borrowing at Ingelheim Venture Fund and Partners Innovation Fund, which jointly co-founded Tylos just three years ago and had disclosed less than $4 million in funding during that time. 
This isn't the only heavy-duty M&A exit to be agreed. H&R Block is buying accounted software provider Wave Financial for $405 million in cash. National Australia Bank and Royal Bank of Canada are both exiting through the deal, having participated in a $24 million round in 2017. Also featured Power Financial. Avi Networks is on its way to VMware in an acquisition. Avi Networks, which had raised $115 million from investors including Cisco Investments, has agreed to the acquisition by VMware for an undisclosed amount. And Barefoot has taken its next step with Intel. Tencent, Google and Alibaba are all set to exit the network switch technology provider Barefoot, which had raised $130 million prior to agreeing to an acquisition by Intel. And Cvent has gone double dutch in an acquisition. Cvent has paid an undisclosed amount to purchase the event engagement platform developer in a transaction of undisclosed size. They gave an exit to Grace Beauty, among others. So, number of big exits, new funds, so positive on the deals fund. We still continue to see a number of large rounds. It's one of the things we're preparing an analysis for our July issue on the importance and impact of some of these large rounds in terms of how corporations have helped the industry in effect scale up. Short-term accommodation booking platform Oyo has reportedly begun talks with new and existing investors over a $1 billion round that would value at $10 billion. These investors could include SoftBank, which has led the company's past four rounds. SoftBank has also recently launched a $5 billion innovation fund that focuses on Latin America and has entered discussions with Brazil-based digital bank Newbank to lead a further funding round that could reach up to a $1 billion and value the company $8 to $10 billion. Newbank had previously been backed by Tencent, among others. And SoftBank, also in Latin America, has worked out $300 million for its GymPass investment. The round featured both SoftBank's Vision Fund and its Latin America Fund, and has valued the gym's subscription service at more than $1 billion. SoftBank still continue to buzz around, I suppose. Other big rounds, ADC Therapeutics has adjusted its Series E round to $276 million. Cancer Therapy developer ADC has attracted $76 million to extend its Series A round after AstraZeneca supported a $200 million initial tranche in 2017. South Korea-based Yana La has operated a short-term hotel business, retrofitting venues such as Love Hotels for a millennial user-based and good-quality accommodation on a budget. It has now raised $180 million in a Series D round to the valuation of more than $1 billion, with travel booking platform Booking Holdings joining Singapore's GICs by the cash. InnoViz has boosted its Series C round, includes Harrell Insurance and Phoenix Insurance. From $132 million to $170 million, the extra funding come in from undisclosed investors. The LiDAR technology developer, whose earlier backers included Delex Motors, Naver and Magnum International, Delphi Automotive, Samsung Catalyst and SoftBank Ventures Korea, has now raised more than $250 million altogether. And Symphony is playing on with $165 million. Standard Charter and Mitsubishi UFG were among the financial services providers that contributed to around that valued the communication platform developer Symphony at $1.4 billion. And Shridi has shipped in $145 million. Tencent returned for $145 million Series C round, three months after leading a $74.5 million B round for the healthcare-focused crowdfunding service. Thumbtack, the US-based Local services listing platform has collected $120 million in Series H round from unnamed investors, reportedly at a flat valuation of $1.3 billion. Sarechat is in talks for a $100 million funding round. Twitter is expected to lead the Xiaomi backed round with an investment of more than $50 million, valuing the social networking platform at up to $650 million. And Dishandi 
has parked $100 million in its Series B round. Itutu was among the investors in Series B round that electric vehicle rental service Dishangi closed at $100 million earlier this year. Vector has collected $100 million in its Series E round. The AI-based cybersecurity technology developer Vectra, whose shareholders include Intel, Nisho, Juniper Networks and Wipro, boosted its total fund into more than $200 million. Infarm has also harvested its $100 million Series B round. Demand Analytics and IDEO-backed Infarm has landed $100 million to expand its modular urban farms to retailers in the UK, US and Japan. And on the people side of things, we've seen Allied Minds Chief Executive Jill Smith has seemingly left her position under pressure from activist investor Crystal Amber. So uh, a bit of change on the intellectual property front from universities. That's all for the past week. I'll, as I happen, be in Romania this next week, catching up with the European Commission. One of the quirky facts about uh, Europe is that um, you know debt provides most of the funding to SMEs. You know, only about 2% is provided by equity capital. Been one of the reasons why Europe fundamentally has been a bit more backwards in terms of its startup and innovation capital ecosystem, certainly compared to, say, China and the US and probably a number of other countries increasingly. So interested to talk about what could be happening on that front and as they prepare for the next budget process called Horizon Europe. So anyone over in Romania, do let me know. Good to catch up and more generally on this topic. Speak soon. Global Venturing Review was produced by In Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.